recorded live from the mats of Radical MMA in New York City, the Martial Culture Podcast. Your source for in-depth combat sports and martial arts insights with, with Coach, Coach Rene Dreyfus and, and Matt Peters. Peters. Ring the bell and let's, let's get, get it on. Coach Rene. Mr. Matt. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. Doing well. We're, it's our first time in the new studio. Uh, we've moved studios many times in our history together, and we, hopefully we're done. Uh, yeah, well, well, no, you know, actually, no, no. I hopefully we're not done. Evolution and change is part of life. That's a you know Buddhist theory is that life is change, and uh, you have to go with the flow, or as Hickson says, flow with the go. I was just gonna say <laughs> that. So I'm a Gracie. Yeah, um, I'm not. I'm not Gracie. That was Hickson Gracie, right? Yes. Okay. I just don't. So how are you? I'm I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. good. It's been an awesome week. Uh, we're getting ready some of our fighters for some fights. We uh, coming up. Um, I thought and, G's fighting again. Yeah, and uh, we're going to be traveling probably down to Key West, Florida, for a fight, which is fun. On the road again. I can't wait to get on the road again. You're driving to Florida? No, no. It's uh, we're going to have to take a plane. I think you know, but I have some miles, so I could do it for free. So nice. yeah, yeah. It's uh, a, it's not that it's a quick ride down to Florida. I went to uh, Orlando. It was like two hours. Right. The fight I I thought it was in Miami, but it's going to be in Key West, which is uh, that bridge. You know that long drive from Miami. But I've never been on it, and you know I I, I want to explore the the stomping grounds of Ernest Hemingway, Key West. You know that's a it should be should be interesting to to go there. And yeah. I, it was kind of one of those places I always wanted to visit. You know and and. You know, the seminal writer lived there, so uh, it should be interesting along with the the fight. And um, yeah, looking forward to it. So he, he's got a number of things co- cooked up. So does our other fight. How's it looking for him? Is he looking? Uh, how's his competitor? Uh, very good. The yeah. the, the com- fight coming coming up. He's he's a tough guy. We're fighting for a title. He's no joke. He's uh he's good. He's good. So we're really happy. Um, I always say that um, you know, if you're gonna fight. You should. I, this is this is not my words, but but uh, Dave Camarillo, who's a very famous jujitsu fighter, trained uh, guys at AKA. He said, "Crave the battle, not the glory." And to me, that that encompasses everything that martial arts is. You don't want to be the, you know, you don't want to fight for the glory. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's great, but you want to fight to test yourself, to put yourself to see what you stack up against, how you stack up against the best. Mm-hmm. And when you have that competitive mindset, how do I get better? How do I stack up against the best? How can I be the best? How can I push myself to the best? How can I evolve and change and grow? It becomes this ever, never, ever um, growing que- uh, search to be a, a higher level of combat athlete. And I think also that translates into your life where you just be a better version of yourself, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, so... We don't want tomato cans. We want really tough guys to push us and the threat of losing, you know. And it brings us to, to some of the UFC fights or the Bellator fights. You can see that, you know, some fights were just tremendous mismatches. And you 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 shouldn't be proud to win a mismatch. I mean, if you had a choice in an opponent. Sometimes you don't. Are we talking about Nunez? No, you know, no? I you know, I don't think so. I mean, obviously it's a skill difference, but Raquel Pennington was good. She was great. She was she coming was off good. a long win streak. Right, right. Well, she hadn't fought in a while though, you know, with injury. Mm-hmm. Um and I think uh but it's a different quality of fighter. And 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 as I said, it's not Amanda Nunez's fault per se because she doesn't really pick her opponent. Sure. Um and she kind of cleaned out a lot of the division too. But it's um I would say this. Um and this is this is very interesting. It it has to do with the women's MMA uh, divisions. The, we we touched on this a little bit in a previous podcast, but 
the the talent pool is 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 not as deep as the men's and evolutionarily speaking it's kind of where the men's mma was for most of the fighters about 10 or 15 years ago mm-hmm. however the top guys the top fighters in the male female division stack up very well against the top guy the top males so amanda nunez is not so um, different from T.J. Dillashaw. Obviously, I think T.J. Dillashaw is a little better, but but she's up there. She's Joanna Jujurjic, Rose Namunas. These are amazing fighters. But the the level right below that, it's a steep drop. Yeah, it's a steep drop. And um, and those fighters, because the the divisions are a little bit, the bench is a little bit shorter, a little bit smaller. You have these one dimensional fighters who are. Um, not as not as well rounded. So you know, mm. like Amanda Cooper and Mackenzie Dern, you know, uh, it's just a complete mismatch. I, mean, I don't know if you heard, Mackenzie Dern didn't make weight all by seven point five pounds. Yeah, and so she probably came into the fight about fifteen pounds over. So she had a tremendous advantage. That being said, um, Amanda Cooper is just not ready to deal with a grapple of that level. She's not. She's not. This is not. You know, she. You could see that there are certain things she did. They were like, mm, you have to learn a little bit more you have yeah. to you have to like you have to recover your guard a little better so the, the weight difference it was a factor but factor. it was not a, as big of a factor as some people are making it out to be you know i don't know look um i'm certainly not the the last word on it and and mckenzie was really much bigger than her i don't know if you saw that fight she's, yeah she's she's much bigger yeah. than her. and so she 123 was surprising it looked she looked bigger than 123 yeah like yeah, she was coming at one thirty, was maybe over more, yeah. you know. And and she's also a very dominant grappler. So the combination of weight and technique is very hard to overcome. An uh, extra ten pounds on top of you when yeah. you're on the ground yeah. makes a big difference. However, that being said, you know, um her reactions were not correct. Like what the way she defended, which is not not technically correct. So she so didn't she, do the right thing. She's coming from behind and trying to find more of a not excuses, but she's trying to cover herself and make herself because she said some some interesting things and not so oh, nice did, things what did, about what did, what did she say? I mean, before the fight or after the fight? Before, oh, before, mostly. right, right, right. But you know, right, right. she I didn't know what, she, what did she say. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I have the exact name, uh, references and quotes, but it was just like it's unprofessional. It was a slap on the yeah, face yeah. of the the profession. That, I mean, seven point five pounds. That is true, though. Is that disrespectful. Is, yeah, that is true. And it is true. I mean, how long was she? She knew she had the fight. It wasn't like she was a, a last well, minute. You know, this is not to defend Mackenzie Dern because you you have to you have to make weight. And I'll tell you, I, this is one fight I lost. I shouldn't have taken the fight, but I got hurt in training camp, and. Um, I um, ballooned out of weight, and I still made weight. I I didn't do it right. I did not do it right, but I starved myself made weight. And that was just at the amateurs. But I'm like, I'm a fighter. I promised to be at this weight. Whatever I I have to do, I'm going to make this weight, or I'm going to not fight. And Mm -hmm. I should have not fought because I was injured. But, but, you know, it's part of the thing is you agree to be at this weight, you should be at that weight. So I'm I'm not apologizing for her. But there's some situations where you get really, really close – and this happened to to a number of fighters, and they get incredibly close, and they just cannot get that last two pounds, mm-hmm. and they give up and they drink a gallon of water, <clears throat> you know, like because they're so they 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 messed up their weight cut so much for whatever reason mm-hmm. um, that they just balloon back, and and you know it's all water weight, so you play games with the water, so um, you know, okay, maybe she weigh she was she was. An hour before weigh-ins, maybe she was four pounds, three pounds away, and she just said, 
fuck it because <laughs> I'm thirsty. She's like, fuck yeah. it, I'm over. You know, and then she just drank and ate and you know, like and she. That's possible. I'm not saying it's what happened, but I, it is. It is possible. I've seen it happen. You know, where where and it happened in the UFC too, where where a guy really missed weight, but he was he was super close. Now there was one um, recently. I forgot. Was it? Um, it was. It was in the the Brooklyn fight, the one in Brooklyn where McConnell McGregor threw the chair. One of the guys made weight and was medically stopped. Yes. I, I believe it well, was... Was uh, it uh, Ferguson, Hall- right? Holloway. Oh, Holloway? Holloway, Holloway, right, right. And so, of course, he didn't have a lot of time to prepare. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, it could have been like... If you didn't... Because he said medically stopped. Well, he was like, okay, I'm going to kill myself to make this weight. But when he stopped, how much did he balloon back? You know, that's what I mean. Right. Maybe he was like, you know, 135 or whatever, 145. And then he was like 147, 146. He's actually stopped. And then he's like 152, right? You know, two minutes later. Uh-huh. You know, because he's just going to drink and eat right away. <laughs> right. You're, you're dying, you know? Well, and he do it, what Daniel Cormier did and just push down on a towel. <sighs> that's bad. That was really bad. <laughs> that was sneaky. That was really sneaky. We didn't get a chance to talk about that, but I yeah, mean, you know, yeah, we can go was... down a rabbit hole there. Right, right. Uh, but he, 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 you know, he has to stop eating that Popeye's chicken. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's where he gets his power from. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I'm glad Mackenzie Dern came out with the win. You know, you are. Um, yeah. I'm the, I she's, think she's everybody really was rooting against her because she really? missed weight. My wife was rooting against her. Uh, half the people I was talking to, they were rooting against her. I I think um you know well, hometown just, crowd too right she's from Brazil yeah 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 well she she grew up here so this is like people like get on her for this because she she like grew up here but she has a Brazilian accent or something like that and mm. she's like why is she pretending to be Brazilian when she's not I don't know I'm not here to, oh, to right. question anyone's identity mm. but uh, I know she's um she's half half Brazilian mm. um her dad Megaton Diaz is a very famous jiu-jitsu fighter from from Brazil from Rio he's uh, under Hickson and. Uh, the Gracie family, and um, he's amazing, and and he taught her, you know, very well. And I know that she spent a lot of time in both countries. So yes, I would say that you know, in her heart, she considers herself Brazilian or Brazilian American, and you know, she represents that country. And definitely, mm-hmm. I think in her post fight speech, she said, you know, I knew if I was going to win or lose, that you know, the Brazil would be behind me. So I'm assuming that she considers herself Brazilian, mm-hmm. and. Um, and uh, you know, what, who am I to tell her who she is or anybody? You know, <laughs> and, but people make fun of her because she, you know, she, originally she didn't have as much of a Brazilian accent, but it's creeped back, and they make fun of. They think she's playing around, but I don't think she is because mm. uh, uh, actually, if you study like immigrants and how they surround themselves, like I know people who are born here in New York and live their entire lives in New York, but they're in a um, ethnic community and they, particularly the Korean community. Sure. I have a friend and he's in the Korean community and. He has a little bit of a of a of an accent, even though he was born and raised here, spent almost his, mm-hmm. his entire life here. But he was his mother, his parents. He speaks Korean at home. He uh, worked in a Korean restaurant. You know, with this people happens. speaking Korean. You know, he goes to Korean school, and his friends are Korean. So you know, he has that the little bit of an accent uh, when he speaks English. But you know, that's his environment. That's that's part of what America is. Yeah. And uh, and then I think if he thinks about it. I, I, you know, if he's in a, if he thinks about it, he can kind of turn it off. And I think that's probably what Mackenzie Dern was doing. You know, she's like, oh, a kind of code, what's called code switching in, in eth- ethnographic studies. You know, you kind of, uh, you know, become a personal chameleon. Mm-hmm. You, you, you're speaking to certain people. So you just, I think she was maybe turning her accent off, but who knows? Maybe that's where she was when she was nine. And because her, she spoke, speaks Portuguese with her dad. I don't think I've ever heard her voice, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. And it has changed. It has changed. You know, as she, and her boyfriend now is Brazilian. Uh, he's a famous jiu-jitsu guy. 
And uh, so I'm sure they speak Portuguese because his English isn't that great. <laughs> I love Portuguese. Uh, Brazilian Portuguese especially is a beautiful language. It just sounds so cool. It, it really does. It's like top five favorite. You know what language I really like is Korean as we're talking about it. Like it's just got a nice sing-songy style. I don't know. Um, All the Asian languages are beautiful. Um, yeah, you know, a lot of people don't think that, but I, I agree with really? you. And I think there's, I also think there's beauty in many languages, um, especially I, I speak Japanese fluently. Yeah. And um, and I've studied a tiny, tiny, tiny bit of Korean, right? Just a little bit. I did not pursue it as much as I, I was intended, but but it's, it's a fascinating language grammatically. In, 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 and when you learn also that each language is sort of a mirror into people's culture and the way they think, mm. particularly in Japan, it's it's beauty, it's fascinating. And by learning their, their culture, by learning their language, you can really understand the way their culture works. Yeah. And I see beauty in every language. You know what language also I love to hear? I love to listen to Russian. Oh, yeah. I freaking yeah. love Russian. It's like so cool. It's like I, I have yeah. a bunch of Russian students or Russian speaking students. Yeah, language, yeah, yeah. They're, they're actually not Russian. They're like Ukrainian, or, but they're, they're Russian speakers. Sure. And I love yelling at them in Russian. It's a little <laughs> Russian I know. <laughs> when I was a kid, I watched anime a lot and I tried to learn Japanese so I didn't have to, so I could listen to it rather than Anime's reading like it. the gateway drug to yeah, Japanese. I it's, it's, it's a tough language. Uh, you know, my old martial arts instructor, Sensei Miyazaki, was my karate instructor for many years. And I, I was when I started studying Japanese, I started studying when I was about 13, 14. And I said, how hard is Japanese? And he's like, it's pretty freaking hard. <laughs> <laughs> but he's like, it's like anything. He's like, it's like martial arts. It's very broad. But if you take your time and bite at it little by little, you can do it. And he told me that, and I did. And you know, I'm a fluent speaker of Japanese now. And, yeah, uh, it was a, I had a career as a translator. I, uh, we're really off topic. We'll get back to UFC in a second. Yeah. But uh, sometimes don't people say to, that to, um, to distract? You yeah, know, to, to go different tangents. <laughs> don't people say that the, the English is a very hard language to learn as an outsider? Like you know I, both, so like you. I would say this: it depends where you come from. For example, if you are of Asian descent, uh, meaning you you come from the major Asian languages, um, English is incredibly different. Mm -hmm. And extraordinarily opaque and, and difficult to penetrate. Um, I know a lot of um, uh, a a Asian parents of my, my friends who are Asian and they've lived here many, many years, and they still struggle. And they're they're intelligent, very intelligent people, and but they still struggle with English. And especially, I, I did teach English a little bit when I was li living in Japan. And when you speak Japanese and you understand the syntax of Japanese and you see how incredibly different it is. Mm -hmm. um, from English, that it, it, it's very hard for Japanese people to learn English, and it's very hard for Americans to learn Japanese. If you're Korean, the grammar of Japanese grammar and Korean grammar are incredibly similar. They're not identical, but they're incredibly similar. So immediately, you get the syntax. Mm -hmm. So like day one, you're like, oh, right, that's exactly how I speak. Like it's it's just I just have to replace the words. Uh -huh. But um, pronunciation-wise, it's very different. If you are Chinese... And you um, learn Japanese, learn English. The, the the word order, the word order, subject, verb, object, is the same as English. But they have no tenses. They have no future. Like I, I, I will go. I went. The tenses don't work the same way. So Chinese people learning um, English is a little bit easier than a Japanese person learning English. Also, so everything is kind of relative. It depends what language you come from. If mm -hmm. you speak Spanish and you learn Portuguese. It's it's or Italian. They're Romance languages, the same family. There's obviously a little bit commonality, a little overlap, and grammatically you can kind of get it. Mm -hmm. And also, when you're dealing with Western languages, the theory of time is the same. It's really hard for me to explain, but the <laughs> Japanese theory of time 
is different in their language. It, it's fascinating. I cannot explain it unless we take a long time. But basically, <laughs> I'll do this. Like I am reading, and uh, is, is is and then I have been reading for ten minutes. I'm reading. I have been reading is syntactically like different in English. I'm reading. I have been reading. In Japanese, it's identical. There's no difference between those tenses. The way they think of time is different, and uh, it's fascinating. And and they don't understand the difference between I am reading and I have been reading, like uh, grammatically, mm-hmm. because they're like that's the same tense. So there's no difference. Yeah. They, they, so they think about time differently. I'm getting a headache. Yeah. <laughs> so so this this is something I struggled with, and uh, and uh, it's fascinating. But anyway, as I do an MMA, it's like <laughs> this is an MMA podcast. Why are we talking about language and linguistics and things like it's that? It's all connected. We'll yeah. find a we way have to, to we have them. to bring on someone who's, who's linguistics. Linguistics. I tried that uh, Duolingo or something for a while. That app that teaches you languages. Do you ever use like uh, um, Rosetta Stone? A lot of people have had. I did the, try that. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to learn uh, Norwegian. Oh. My family's from Norway, right, 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 right. but uh, this is, doing the roots thing. There's no like, where's that gonna get me? <laughs> yeah, you know, I had I had a, a friends who were, who were Dutch, and um, I said, well, what if I move to Holland? Like, don't learn Dutch. I'm like, Why? everybody knows English. Yeah, they know English, and there's like the only Dutch speakers are here and a little bit in South Africa. Yeah. So like, where are you gonna use it? <laughs> yeah. I had a friend that uh, moved to China, and he wanted to learn Chinese, and so he wanted everybody to speak Chinese to him. But they wanted him to speak, speak English because oh, yeah, they wanted the to learn English. Right, 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 right. How do I learn? Yeah, yeah. So. Right. Um, oh, anyway, okay. it brings us actually. MMA. Yeah, no, but, but it's <laughs> funny because um, learning martial arts and learning a language and learning anything, it's, it's the pedagogy of learning. And the MMA fights were really, really interesting. It's UFC 224. We were talking about the Amanda Nunes fight versus Pennington. But there are a lot of fights on that card. And it is really fascinating. Because it brings us to a critical way of how do you learn? How do you learn MMA? How do you learn to fight? And there's two camps, and I want to go over each fight in in in, in order, right? But there's two camps, right? There says um, one camp, which would say, and we talked about this in another podcast. Be good at everything. And, you know, be a little good at everything. And that is kind of true. And, and we, we, we were talking last time, last podcast, about how it's not enough to know one thing or two things. You have to kind of be broad. So Joe Rogan mentioned this, like, you know, a few years ago. He's like, yeah, there's people growing up in MMA now that just walk into an MMA gym and just do MMA from day one. Mm-hmm. And I don't – so there, there's that. And that's the theory of learning that was espoused by the Jeet Kune Do guys where it's basically be – competent in all ranges and all styles, right? And that that's not wrong. Nobody's saying that's wrong. Because you do want that. But um and Jeet Kune does the, the martial art of Bruce Lee, mm-hmm. but that was taken the torch was taken on by his students, particularly Dan and Asanto, and they they would say, okay, I have to learn how to grapple, I have to learn how to fight on the ground, throw, I have to learn how to kick and punch, I have to learn how to stick fight, I have to learn a knife fight, I have to learn how to do this, you know, the more trapping, blocking kind of thing. So like they wound up saying, well, we have to be efficient in everywhere. That's how we prepare. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them eventually went on to tactical gun, you know, tactical shooting, things like that. It's not wrong, but it's also like if you go into the academy one day and you do kickboxing one day and you do jiu-jitsu the next day and the next day and the next day, you get to be a jack-of-all-trades, master of none. Right. So you don't get particularly good at anything. You get kind of good at everything. And there's a lot of fighters like that, and they're coming up, and they're kind of good at everything, but they're not really amazing at anything. Mm-hmm. Then there's the guys like Daniel Cormier, 
like John Jones, like Joanna Jerzyk, who came up in one style and became mad. Uh, um, uh, Ronda Rousey, um, uh, um, there's so many, you know, like, uh, 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 what's his name? The Conor McGregor. You know, they came up in one style, whether it was striking or grappling or whatever. They became really efficient at that, and then they branched out. And you saw this fight was this UFC and Bellator, um, which happened this weekend, and there was also Road FC. It was the weekend of the specialists. So I want to go over the fights, and they were really interesting. Um, one of them is this crazy, crazy guy. Um, have you watched um, – Alexander Olinik. Name does not. Sound yeah, familiar. he is uh, originally a combat sambo fighter. He fights at heavyweight, two thirty-five, and he has. Um, we talked about him before, but he has like, I don't even know how many. He's like, hold on, I think it's one, two, three, four. It's like something like fourteen submission wins by the easy kill choke. The easy kill choke. That's all he freaking does, <laughs> and he is a tenth degree black belt. At the easy kill choke, and he fought Junior Albini uh, this weekend, who's you know not a bad fighter, and but he they light, locked up, and he locked in a standing easy kill, and it's not the first time he's done it, and everybody knows that he's going to do an easy kill. Everybody knows it. Every this guy's like that's the easy kill guy. Stay away from the easy kill, and you'll be okay. It sounds like a great move. Easy kill. Easy kill, right? Done. <laughs> it's also Sode Gurumajime in Japanese, and uh, it's it's a old school judo choke. Um, but in Portuguese and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, they call it the Easy Kill. It's named after a judo guy named Easy Kill. Ezekiel? Uh, Ezekiel, right. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ezekiel, but in Portuguese, Ezekiel, right. right. Um, but um, he he just gets everybody with it all the time. He even, not this fight, but the one fight before, he got mounted and tapped the guy from bottom mount. It's like incredible. incredible. He's incredible. <laughs> so he's like a typical example of a specialist who – pushes his specialty it's not that he's completely you know um unschooled in other arts and he comes from a combat sambo and actually traditional jiu-jitsu not brazilian jiu-jitsu but a traditional jiu-jitsu background but he's a master sport in combat sambo and um and uh he is a grappler and he's like i'm a grappler and i'm gonna grapple you and this is my best choke and wherever i am i'm gonna put that choke on you and um there's another guy uh, before him, just fought right before him. He's uh, uh, Zaleski Dos Santos, um, and he's a capoeirista, and he had an uh, amazing highlight reel wheel kick. Did, did you see the highlight where no. he spun around and just wheel kicked the guy's head into, into you know, from Brazil into, you know, Southeast Asia? <laughs> like, it's like, it was unreal. It was, it was I love those. Yeah. Come on. Oh, Don't my God. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'll, 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 I'll pull it up for you. I will. Erase you. Yeah. Okay. No, I'll 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 concede. I'm not I'm not so fast on the uh, spinning wheel thing. Yeah, yeah. It it was it was awesome. And again, you know, he's well versed in the, all aspects of MMA, but he doesn't forget who he is. And then then we had Cesar Ferreira uh, versus Carl Robinson, and it was a jiu-jitsu guy, and he put him in an arm triangle, tapped him out. You know, just pushed the jiu-jitsu. We had Machida versus Belford, which. You know, Machida's karate guy, and he karate him. <laughs> you know, front kick. Karate him. Yeah, and, and actually, and 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 uh, and Machida's base style—they call it Machida karate—but his base style is Shotokan, same as me. And um, and but his Shotokan, like mine, it's a little different. And uh, so they they actually stopped calling it uh, Shotokan. But uh, but in Shotokan, it's the front kick 
that is really a tremendous weapon. And that's what he did. Boom, front kick down and knocked Belfort, Belfort down, you know, down. Just like uh, Anderson Silva knocked him out with it, you know, uh, was it 10 years ago? Um, <laughs> that's my favorite kick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boom. I have, a, I have the poster one. of it in my in my academy oh, with Anderson gosh. Silva. Just just simple day one move. The, in Thai boxing, it's a, they call the teep. Yeah. In karate, it's a front kick. But um, the Shotokan makes um, – uh, that that's their signature, one of their signature moves, and so he just boom, just right through his guard, bump, knocked him out, and uh, and not forgetting, you know, who he is, and then Mackenzie Dern, we talked about that, you know, the minute it got to the ground, it was over, and then we had um, an example of that not happening, <laughs> Jacare uh, trying to be a kickboxer against Castellum. Probably he had a little trouble taking him down after the first round, but you know that was not good. And then we had Amanda Nunes, who's a great striker, and definitely there was some some grappling there too. And she's a black belt in jiu-jitsu, um, but uh, but she won that fight with superior superior striking yeah. for sure and footwork. And and um, I mean she's she's amazing. Um, so you know, and then in in um, in uh, Bellator? Um, Bellator, we you had um, oh vicious. Bader knocked out um, King Mo with the absolute King Mo. Yeah, yeah, Mohammed Lawal. Uh, he used to fight in Pride. Yeah, uh, yeah. So they call him King Mo. <laughs> but he's not he's the king anymore. Fight. He's dethroned completely. He just, he just fifteen second knockout, or even less. I think it was just crazy. And I've heard that name like a long time yeah, ago. Yeah, but the real guy is Aaron Pico, who um, this is the guy uh, again. He he's a uh, did not make, go to an MMA school. He trains boxing with under Freddie Roach in the wild card gym. Uh, if you're familiar with Freddie Roach, he's Manny Pacquiao's teacher. He's famous, very, very famous boxing coach, mm-hmm. like one of the best. And he trains wrestling. Uh, he was a collegiate wrestler, D1 All-American super wrestler. And he did not, you know, go, okay, I'm going to walk into an MA school. He, you know, went to this, this the, the individual arts and, and developed a tremendous amount of skill in those, those individual arts and then combined it. So um, – so yeah, what I'm saying is, it was a really a night of people who were specialists for the most part, and um, and were able to push that specialty. That doesn't mean that you just are one trick pony, you know. Like if you don't, if you don't expand your game, you will lose an MMA. That is a fact. Nobody's saying, okay, I'm just going to be a judo person. All I'm going to do is judo. I won't learn any striking, mm-hmm. and I'll, you know, I'll win. And mm-hmm. I actually worked with a fighter. I won't say his name, but I worked with a fighter, and he he was a jiu-jitsu man. Is a wonderful person. I, I won't say his name, but but he. Um, Conor McGregor. No, no, he's a jiu-jitsu man. <laughs> but he was like, oh, Hoist Gracie proved this is a long time ago. But Hoist Gracie proved that all you need in MMA is jiu-jitsu. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh boy, this is not going to be good. And he had a disastrous uh, time in MMA, and uh, you know, decided to call quits. Uh, that so obviously, obviously. Uh, you need to expand your skill set. Mm-hmm. But how do you do that? Do you walk into an MMA school and just do MMA in day one? Or do you focus on one aspect to really get you know very sharp at one thing and then broaden it? And that's kind of where I stand. You know, I, I, we, at Radical, um, we are more oriented towards the grappling arts. Now, we still train in an MMA context. And, and that's important is you don't go too far to the sport. We still train in MMA context, but we're we're always focusing on being, knowing where what your samurai sword is, you know, knowing what your best move is, you know, the samurai. Okay, they had all these different weapons, the tanto and the wakizashi and this bow and arrow. 
But you know, if you think of a samurai sword, samurai, you think a sword. Mm-hmm. So this is a guy. This is my thing. And you know, um, all of my students, they also in the jitsu world, they know what their their top move is. So I have one student, he's the triangle guy. And he's like, if I bring you to triangle, I'm going to get you. Interesting. And another guy is the rear naked choke guy. He's like, I get that rear naked choke. I'm going to kill you. And the other one's an arm bar. And I always start always looking to say, who are you? Who are you? And you don't get to decide. Jiu-jitsu gods, I say, decide. They say, are you going to be a Kimura guy? Are you going to be a you know, arm bar guy? Are you going to be this guy? And, and then you constantly refine that move so that by the time you're a blue belt, you're already at that move, just that move. You're already almost black belt level or black belt level. So if you caught a black belt in it, you would tap him. Now, the black belt probably won't let you catch him in there. But if you, if you start and say, okay, let me catch you in this move, mm-hmm. it would be incredibly tight and just perfect. So you constantly hone that identity and you don't forget who you are. Conor McGregor does not forget that he is a, you know. Castle? <laughs> I don't think he Sorry, realizes no. that. <laughs> no, but he does. He yeah. knows he wins. With his straight, yeah. you know, that's that's who he wins it. He so wins it, it that straight. It sounds like um, similar to like wrestling, like the fake wrestling or video games, if you want to go that direction, where you have a you you're good at a lot of things, but you have yeah, your super same. move, right, right, your specialty. Right. But you know, it's funny you should say that. And I hate pro wrestling, but pro wrestling's roots are in real fighting. Yeah. And I think that's how it got started because the real fighters fall like that. They they had their signature move. Oh, he put him in the sharpshooter. Oh, the people's that, elbow. The people's. <laughs> <laughs> he put yeah. his elbow on yeah. the head. That's yeah, the but, but that's your that's your signature your move. Signature move yeah. And 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 I think it started. Now it's a joke, but you know, but it started from real fighters having specific styles yeah. and things. They oh, he brought the fight to here. Uh oh, that's bad for the other guy. You What's know. your signature move? Me, um, you know, it's interesting. But I would say my best move is what's called the omoplata, which is a shoulder lock with your legs. That's my thing. That's my jam. But I'm, <laughs> you know, from the rack guard because I'm the creator of the yeah. rack guard. So I'm the rack. We haven't guard. talked about that as, as much as we should. The, the rack guard. Yeah, I don't want to like, you know, well, like, we'll spend, sound a, we'll spend an hour talking yeah. about it. So, but my. You don't want to know my signature move? What? It's where you yawn and then put your arm over your, your wife's shoulder. <laughs> In the movie theater, move. right? No, it's not. There's, oh, before, you know, oh, no, I thought before you guys got married, maybe, you know, that was the. The, the, the way you that's how things seduced started. her <laughs> <laughs> that's my signature move because I don't know anything about martial arts um, but yeah we definitely should spend some time talking about the rat guard I would love to talk about it um, uh, but yeah no I, I developed that's my that's my signature thing it's yeah. um, part of the reason was that uh, when I started jiu-jitsu I started with my leg not being 100% so I did play the guard which means on my back a lot and um, and I kind of you know was just experimenting with positions, but I really started using it when I was exploring MMA. And I'm like, oh, this is where I'm not getting hit. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's based on an old judo position. But uh, what happened was um, I was training with a friend of mine. His name is Judo John. I hope Judo John's listening mm-hmm. out there. And Judo John is an amazing judo fighter. And he he, he better be with that yeah, name. His yeah, parents was, named him right. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> but in his judo school, they to graduate to a cer- second or third degree black belt, you had to do kind of like a what they would call a self-defense judo, which is basically like pro MMA. So the guy comes at you with punches and you have to defend yourself and tap him out, right? Or, you know, so you have to do that. And um, it was it's you know, judo schools almost never do that, but it's this instructor is much mm-hmm. very interesting guy, wonderful instructor. So he had that experience of like mixing judo and striking. Now, when I was judo, John came to our jiu-jitsu academy and um, 
every time I trained with Judo John on the ground, I was just much better than he was. I, I was I was much better than he was, and I would just. I had experience, and I was an assistant instructor, and I, I would win 99.999% of the time. So whether it was in the guard, whether it was, you know, anywhere, but particularly the guard, right? So I said, John, okay, let's let's. I, I want to try my hand. I'm thinking about doing MMA. Let's um let's take the geese off, and and I was I always liked no gi a little more, but at that time we were focused a little bit more on the gi, um, and uh, I said, okay, let's take the geese off. And let's put the gloves on and add punches. And I absolutely 100% uh, thought I was going to kill him like I always do. Mm-hmm. It was one of the worst beatdowns I've ever taken in my life. Wow. Now, he didn't hurt me because he's such a cool guy. Sure. But he had that experience of striking and good base. And he just – he did a, you know, old school Randy Couture, Tito Ortiz, um, you know, just ground and pound beatdown. And I – my guard fell apart. Just fell apart. And that was that moment that I realized, wow, I am not – I'm training like a sportsman. I'm developing these these holes in my game. So, yes, I was focused on grappling and getting my skill in grappling, but I ultra-focused and gave myself um, disabilities, you know, blind spots. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I'm like, whoa, when he adds this thing that we were not allowing five minutes ago, suddenly – Everything's different. And you can see that Jacare had that happen in this fight with Gastelum. He was in the guard. And his guard work, I love Jacare, but his guard work is terrible. Just not MMA guard work. If it's sport jiu-jitsu, his guard work is amazing. But his feet were in the wrong place. He was getting hit. He was getting tagged. And he's not training MMA guard. Mm-hmm. And that I realized that. I'm like, how can this happen where when we put the punches away – I beat him like nobody's business. We put the punches in. It's like I know nothing. Like I know absolutely nothing. Wow. And it was a terrible feeling. After years of training, judo and then jiu-jitsu, because when I did judo, I did ground fighting too. And to feel like you don't know anything. And the key, the, the Eddie Bravo and a lot of the 10 Planet guys, that's a subset of jiu-jitsu where they, they talk about this. But they say the problem is the gi. It's not. Uh, I disagree with that. Because the gi gives you extra grips. The problem is not training with punches, which is why I think Eddie Bravo eventually realized why she started the combat jiu jitsu movement. Slap yeah, with slaps, it. right? Where, where, where it's like, okay, nobody's getting hurt because we don't want to kill each other. We don't give each other brain damage. We yeah. want to keep it real. And so from that moment, always, from that moment, I was always thinking about, okay, can my opponent hit me? If he can, I'm going to move. And, or how do I stop him from hitting me? And the answer was the rack guard, which I already was experimenting with a lot. And I'm like, oh, this is this position. And then I just started developing my game from there. And that was that was er, very early in my my jiu-jitsu career. And uh, I just started developing more and more and more. And um, I stole so much from so many other amazing <laughs> guys. I'm like, they, they do this move like this. Okay, let me adjust that to put into the rack guard. Yeah. So I stole from, um, from uh, Eddie Bravo. Uh, the rubber guard. Yeah, rubber guard at like little concepts. Yeah. And I stole from uh, Marcel Garcia. Some, Borrowed. Don't say yeah, borrow. yeah, yeah, yeah. Inspired yeah, by. Inspired, inspired, right. But <laughs> you got to give credit where credit's due. Sure. You know, I always teach techniques and I say the name. I say this is the Leo Vera pass number one. Well, this is the Leo Vera pass number two. I always say the name so people know that I'm, that's where it's from and this person deserves the credit, yeah. not me. Now, I'm, I'm taking it, but I'm, I'm taking it and giving credit where credit's due. Yeah. Well, if people listening don't, don't know that much about the rack guard, and, and, and I don't know that much about it because I haven't 
seen it or been put in it, <laughs> thankfully. Well, you, um, could, you could watch um, Demetrius Johnson versus Tim Elliott. Tim Elliott used, that? used that uh, successfully in, in, uh, in, um, to defend yeah. against Demetrius Johnson. Well, the people that don't know, the John Jones did talk about the Rat Guard on his podcast. And he said the Rat Guard is legit. No, that's Eddie Bravo. Oh, he Bravo said that. Yeah, yeah, But he yeah. was on John, uh, uh, Joe Rogan's podcast at the time. Was John Jones there? No, Joe Rogan. Oh, Joe Rogan, right, Did right. I say John Jones? You said John Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Joe Rogan. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joe Rogan's podcast. Yeah, Joe Rogan said Rat Guard is legit. And, you know, I have to say on this podcast, Eddie Bravo's Rubber Guard is legit. <laughs> but then everybody knows that. <laughs> you know, it's different different approaches. The yeah. Rubber Guard was always hard for me because, like, rubber means you got to be flexible. The Rat Guard is, like, it's easy. You don't have to be flexible at all. Like yeah. says, you know, you just have to make sure you get the position. You have to find ways to get to the position. But when you get there, it's like you don't need flexibility. Yeah. That doesn't mean that rubber guard is bad. Rubber guard is great. It's just it's just some people like myself can't go for a long time because of my leg injury. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't do it. And they mentioned that on the show. That's so interesting that they yeah. were talking about how you had an accident and yeah, yeah, it didn't yeah. have it was, as much it was flexibility. Real, it was a real honor yeah. to to be to be recognized um, by those guys. And also by uh, uh, Ron, Ron Carnero, who used it in the UFC. Uh, and a bunch of other fighters used it, um, and they they a lot of times they give me props or the, send me PMs and say hey, I saw your video, it inspired me. Um, one of my absolute favorite fighters, and I'm so honored that he uses it is Barrett Yoshida, who I had the absolute amazing honor to train with. And if you guys know who Barrett Yoshida is, he's one of the best guys on the planet. He is one of my heroes, and he is just a warrior's warrior. He he's um, from Hawaii originally. Um, trained under Ensign Egan Inouye, and, and then um, uh, just a great fighter. Uh, and did tons of Valley Tudo and sport grappling and this and that. Wherever, any venue he was in, he uh, he would excel. And um, he, I went to his academy to train just to meet him, and I put him in rack guard. <laughs> and I would say that those matches still wound up with me getting the crap kicked out of me. But but he's like, you know, the, 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 he was interested in the position because it did – work you know and he's like well, what was that and i'm like oh this is this thing i came over record he's like oh okay 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 and then the, the, then and then uh he does it in a fight uh he was in a sport grappling match he did a fight to pro and he also did an eddie bravo's ebi and he he on his instagram he gave me credit this is invented by renee dreyfus and that's and amazing it, i was like oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and i there's few people in this world i i respect uh, i mean i respect a lot of the martial arts but I personally, one of my personal heroes is Barry Yoshida. Uh, he's he's just uh, and uh, that he he used um, that he used it is just such a, a joy to me. And uh, the, the person of that level, that caliber, and against uh, opponents who are really good, and it really freaking worked. Yeah. You know, like that's also the test. Is that it, it? You know, in science we talk about um, repeatability. You know, so if you if you do an experiment and it, oh, you're the only one who can make it happen, well, that that doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. It has to be demonstrably repeatable by everyone. So given the same circumstances in Europe, here in America, in California, in China, whatever, every that can still work. And the, the great thing about Rack are the people who are adopting it are really making it work. And um, uh, I have a couple of friends in California who, who came and trained with me, um, and, and, and they're, they're using it and also adapting it and adjusting it and playing it a little differently. I had one, one friend and he who's visiting is a great, great jiu-jitsu fighter, uh, brown belt. And uh, actually, I think he has a black belt now. But um, he came and, and said, hey, I, I, I've been playing with it. I've been doing it for a few years. I do this here. And I'm like, huh, that's great. You keep doing that. That's not what I do. Yeah. But, you know, great on you. 
You yeah. know, that really is good. And it inspired me. I started doing it like him. I'm like, hey, I'm going <laughs> to take that. That's really good. And, yeah. uh, and you know, it's evolution. It's, 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 uh, it's going forward and change. Very cool. And, um, but, you know, it started, like I said, with my developing my samurai sword. This is my thing. And um, one of the great fighters um, on the last UFC, Davi Ramos, you could just see this guy is a stone cold killer. And he just he, – he fought Nick Hine, which is a, a, a great judo fighter and MMA fighter. But he, he it was like – he, he couldn't stop his jiu-jitsu because mm-hmm. it was just so much – the sword was so sharp. Yeah. And, um, and when you can – when you're so good at one thing and another fighter is very good but not that good at a lot of other things – Generally, the person who's extremely good at one thing can push that skill forward if they have a good basis in the other stuff to survive. You know, like um, um, Mackenzie Dern is a great example. She was doing jiu-jitsu, but she threw a big haymaker from hell at Amanda Cooper, and that started the ground scramble. Mm-hmm. If Mackenzie Dern was like Ronda Rousey where she had absolutely no hands – uh, she probably couldn't. She'd probably have a little tougher yep. time pushing pushing that fight forward. So, it brings us back to that that argument. Like, should you train MMA from day one, like that kind of Jeet Kune Do philosophy, or should you just develop a specialty and a and a and a, a real fearsomeness in one element of the game? And there's, I don't know the answer. I can say how we do it at Radical, and you can say that yeah, generally speaking, the proof is that. Being really amazing at one thing and then lifting up the other parts of your game is is kind of the recipe for success at this point. Um, but uh, I don't know if that's going to change. You know, maybe in the next five years, all these young kids today, mm-hmm. maybe they're going to turn the tables and say, no, no, if you train MMA like this and you do everything at once, but you do it like this, they change the pedagogy, the way it's taught. So it's not the techniques. We all know the techniques that work, but – how do we get people good to learn? How do you know those guys losing out there who are for self defense or for MMA? Like, how they're they're probably asking themselves, well, how do I train to be the champ or just to be as good as I can be good? Should I be doing you know kickboxing three times a week and jujitsu three times a week and blah blah blah, or should I just do an MMA class or whatever? You know, it's a, it's a it's a hard tough question. I'd say in our academy, it's we really focus on still always MMA oriented, but really focus on on making you very good at grappling first. And then when you've developed that really strong foundation, you don't have to be an expert. You don't have to be a you know Olympic level, but a really strong foundation. Then we'll start working in the striking, because there is another problem, and you can see this with a, a lot of fighters too. And uh, they hyper evolve so much that they can't dial it back, and they're too too stiff. Like especially I find with wrestlers, you know, like there's certain wrestlers we, we'd say the wrestlers are really great. But there's certain wrestlers that are so stiff they could just never pick up boxing well, mm-hmm. and I mean you know, I kind of riff on Daniel Cormier, but he's he's amazing wrestler, but he's a little clunky and striking. He, he he yes, of course he's trying to get better, and he doesn't suck, but sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that. He's, he, but no, he doesn't suck. No, he's but, a very but good there, there are problems with the movie because he's so hyper evolved in one discipline mm-hmm. to dial it back was hard. So. I don't even know the answer. It's it's a fascinating discussion. Is it is there it's not like more it's individualized more than it, there's an answer. Like every person's could different. Be. No, could be. Yeah, yeah, could be. Um, but I don't know about that. Cuz there are some genetic freaks out there that like Yo Romero. Right, right. That breaks all the rules. That's true. But they're one in a million. Yeah, but you know Yo Romero I think is a good example of someone who 
um, is not good at everything. No. He's not. Um, he's great, great wrestler, which he doesn't even use, but he's he always had power. So he's like, I'm gonna explode and be powerful and not get taken out. Mm-hmm. And um and it works for him. And that's all he does. How do you think Mike Tyson would be in an MMA fight? Just you start like you brought Tyson up power of today? No. Mike Tyson in his prime. Okay. You know, you know, you're not the first person to ask me that. <laughs> and and it's funny because um, you know, Mike Tyson's an icon and of course he's had trouble. Let's put his Every other stuff on the side. Let's mm-hmm. just talk technically in his prime. Um, his boxing style is infighting, which um, if you're an infighter, and I was talking about this um, with uh, a dissection of um, of um, of some some fighters. If you're an infighter, you better have a great takedown defense, mm-hmm. or be really good on the ground, because if you're infighting, you're right there to be taken out. Yeah. And now Mike Tyson has a very low center of gravity because he's short, and he also doesn't have long legs, right? Um, so he's he's more upper body than lower body, which means he's hard to take down. And he had a experience, a lot of experience, in like actual combat in the streets because he grew up hard. And and he has this familiarity. I've seen him talk. I've seen a lot of interviews. He's one of the few boxers from the very beginning was an MMA fan. I think that's because he was not just a boxer. He's like a, he's a street a street villain, you know. Yeah. Like I mean, hey, let's be honest here. He says in his bio, he's a bad know, boy. He is a bad, yeah. Like he he got to scruffles and you know with weapons and like you know he understands the power of grappling and he was a huge fan of the Gracies and their approach too. Really? Yeah, yeah. Um, so and they you know <laughs> you know they challenged him too. You know um, back in the day, yeah. The Gracies sent him a challenge, which you know there's no money in it, so of course he's not, <laughs> but. Uh, I would say this, whether we're talking Mike Tyson or Bruce Lee, one, there are certain problematic aspects of taking a person out of their time, you know, and saying, what would they do today? But they're also, I would say both these individuals, whether we're talking Mike Tyson, Bruce Lee, they're smart enough and and agile thinkers enough in terms of combat sports to seek out the people who would fix the holes in their game. Mm-hmm. Because the, the, those are the two people who always ask me about it. How would how would Mike Tyson or Bruce Lee do in an MMA fight? And Mike Tyson, without any other training, would have a puncher's chance, just like um, uh, who's the one who fought Randy Couture? Shoot, uh, I forgot. Um, he's the world heavyweight champion. He he had a yeah yeah. Holyfield? No 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 no. Um, uh, it was later. He, he but he's um. God damn it! Yeah, yeah. Can you can you yeah, look, it look it up? Yeah, yeah. It's um. He, they fought in the UFC, and he he, he started following around Randy Couture, Randy Couture, and then Dana White set it up, and um, uh, and he um, you know, he had a puncher's chance to take you know Randy James Tony. James Tony, right? And James Tony is no joke. I mean, like, yeah, he was a little past his prime, but the guy's no joke. And even I believe he was the guy who knocked out Tim Sylvia, as well. So, um, like he's no joke, um, but obviously a little bit over the hill. But so was Rainy Couture, and Rainy Couture made him look like nut, like it was nothing. Like, mm-hmm. like the minute you took him to the ground, you know, boom, you know, like it was over. And because they have no understanding of that 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 discipline, um, so if you're an infighter, you can't keep the distance, and you don't have effective takedown defense. Well, you're going to go to the ground, and if you don't have effective jujitsu, you're going to get tapped out by a jujitsu person. But I believe that Mike Tyson, and also if you can go back, Bruce Lee or any of those old school guys, they would be like, huh. They would recognize 
the limitations of their approach and and correct them, just like Chuck Norris did. And that's a good example. Chuck Norris was a con- contemporaneous with Bruce Lee and all these guys. And you know, Chuck Norris is a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and and became very friendly with the Gracies and the Machados, and is you know he you know he has his own style and it's based on uh, Korean martial arts. But he now the style to get a black belt in his style, you must also be I think at least a purple belt or brown belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So he's like, we need this, right? Mm-hmm. And the same with um, Bruce Lee's student, Dan Inosanto, black belt under the machados in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, you're, they're they're like, hey, this is this is a legitimate fighting thing. We need to correct this. And I'm sure Mike Tyson, well, I don't think he'd be rolling on the mats with the Gracies probably, but would, you know, invest a tremendous amount of time if he if in in, in defending the takedown and, and, and trying to do that. Yeah. Um, one person. We're not mentioning. Uh, can I guess who? Steven Seagal. No. Oh, all right. <laughs> I, mean, I would. That guy would just 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 forget <laughs> it. Anyway, but um, that guy's a piece of crap. But anyway, that's another story. But no, a contemporary boxer that nobody talks about going into MMA um, is Lomachenko. Okay, I thought you were gonna say Mayweather. No, but Mayweather looks like he's going to. Probably not. He'll get killed. But well, since McGregor will be in jail. Right, no right, 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 right. <laughs> but, but you know, Lomachenko, Lomachenko is a great example of a guy who actually would do amazing in MMA because his style of boxing was great. It's, the guy is the best boxer around today. Forget about Mayweather. Lom, Lomachenko is the man. He, if you listen, you haven't had a chance to see this man's wizardry. He is amazing. He's the the best boxer of our generation, and it's it's criminal to not. You know, people are talking about Triple G or this or that. This is Lomachenko is the man. This is the guy. He is a wizard. Can't touch him. He's everywhere. And he also has wrestling background as a kid. And some of the techniques he uses are wrestling techniques. Hmm. Like when he's in the clinch, he does a thing called an arm drag. He does an arm drag to a cross. And one of my students, Marlon, keyed me into that. He's like, look, he's, he did this. It's an arm drag. And I'm like, oh, my God. that's He's wrestling. He's taking wrestling and putting in boxing and beating people. <laughs> and uh and 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 was like whoa that that is so cool and um uh he is amazing and he, if he transitioned to MMA because he also has a wrestling back this video he was in Instagram he was posting a video of him doing wrestling takedowns uh about 6 7 months ago i have to find it but maybe we can find it and he he's actually pretty good you know he's not amazing but but he, he's he's a pretty good wrestler cool. and if he took like 2 years he would he, i think he would be a force to be reckoned with um now, then we have the 50 Cent, you know, is signed to do an MMA fight now. No. Yes. Where was I? You, you missed that? He's going into Bellator. It's crazy. Oh, of course, Bellator. Yeah, of course, because it's a sideshow. But 50 Cent, as I understand, I don't know anything about him, but I understand one of them told me that he's actually quite a, a good boxer, and uh, he won the gold gloves or something like that when he was way back when. So it's not like he doesn't know how to box at all, but he, it's too late for him to to adjust. You know, he's... It's too late. It's too late. You know, this is where we say, okay, yeah, maybe you were obviously amateurs is not the highest level of boxing, but he was a good boxer, I'm sure. If he was, you know, competitive in the Golden Gloves, uh, but you know, there's only so far that specificity and focus on one style will take you. He's like a hundred years old. How old is he? Forty six. He's too old. Well, yeah, he's not too old for Bellator. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> They should have like the seniors division. <laughs> you know what they should do? They should put him against like Frank Shamrock. Forty-two. Oh my god! You know what they did because they had Frank. They should put him against Hoist Gracie. 
Him versus Norris Crazy. That'd be a, that'd be a fun fight. That'd be sideshow, but I would like I would probably watch it. That's terrible, but I probably would. All my money is still on Gracie. <laughs> yeah, of course. We kill him. My God. Yeah, and 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 again because he has such a hole in that and that you know all you have to do grab him, take him down, and you know that's it. Um, yeah. but uh, so you know the the, the, the <laughs> so we have all these like you know famous people um going into MMA. Uh, or thinking, Folk. thinking about. I'm sorry. Was it Marshall Falk? Didn't he fight? Or, Marshall? No, it wasn't Marshall Falk. Um, Marshawn. No, there was a football player that went to MMA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's. Uh, he was in the, um, the in the last UFC, right? There was a there was an ex football player, the fat guy. Mm, no, he was a he was a quarterback. Oh, I don't know. But there, yeah. in the last one, there was um, the last UFC, there was a the fat football player, <laughs> <laughs> who and it was terrible. But but he was in the he was there. And um and uh, what's his name in Bellator? Matt Mitrione used to be a football player. Yeah, yeah. Matt Mitrione was a football player, and um, Brendan Schaub was a Brendan Schaub? Schaub was a football player too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Herschel Walker. Oh, Herschel Walker. Yeah, yeah I, I remember that. That was you a know, sideshow. It was sideshow, but he was I was jacked on so much steroids. Oh, you think so? Oh my gosh. Yeah, but you See know how muscular he was. He was like fifty years old. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, you're probably right. I don't know, but I was actually like, it was a sideshow. I he did a lot better than I thought he would. He do. did well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, he did a lot better than I thought he would. Yeah. But you know, then again, you, you you know, this is this is the thing is is um skirting the line between entertainment and sideshow. It's very difficult. And Japan, unfortunately, has like there's no line. We're all entertainment, <laughs> and and Bellator is kind of copying that Japanese model. Um, the UFC dabbles in it. You know, they dabble in it like yeah. uh, MC. What's it, punk? CM Punk, CM Punk, right? Yeah. CM Punk, or um, who has no business being in the ring, but um, you know they they he's so famous. You know, I, I mean, honestly, he should be in the ring, but he should be in an amateur ring. You know, he should be yeah, doing do you it. know like little low amateur shows. Fight up the ring, right, like right. But, but but he can't. You know, yeah. um, that happened to my old coach Marcelo Garcia, where you know he's such a name in jiu jitsu, and Mackenzie Dern to, to extent too. You know, there's such big names. In jiu-jitsu, they, they can't get amateur fights. You know, like, it's, it's like mm-hmm. they have to just go to the pros right away. You know, it's funny. Uh, from the other side of the lens, uh, Ronda Rousey in the WWE, uh, there's people that complain about her not doing her, not working her way up. And she's getting, like, a title fight right away. But it's fake. I know, but they're still like, <laughs> well, other people who have done their time and you just come in here as a name and all of a sudden you get a title right. fight. Right. I, I guess that's It's true just so interesting. Yeah. That, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. They're complaining that Ronda Rousey doesn't deserve a title fight. <laughs> it, it, it is is you know I'm not I really don't know WWE uh, e, but is there I didn't even know there was like a significant female wrestling there actually did, is really yeah. I knew they had the, the the side side girls the girls that were they started I think they started out that way where they were just like the cheerleaders on the side and then they started letting them fight and it was more like a foxy boxing kind of thing where right. they would you know NFL and lingerie kind of stuff yeah and then it became more and more serious. And it's as serious as WWE can yeah, be, but yeah. no, but I see what you're saying. Yeah, I think yeah. Um, I think there's actually some some other UFC fighters that are moving over there that were in uh, the women's division. Easy, easy or money. Or Invicta, right? Um, you know, you know who'd be perfect for that? Uh, Maganya. And, <laughs> and yeah, because she's like she's such a trash talker. She sucks at MMA. <laughs> she'd just go to she'd go to the UFC, WWE, and that, that's perfect for her. I'm gonna ask you uh, to talk about something real quick because we're running out of time. But I, I know it probably end up being a long conversation, but. Uh, Raquel uh, Pennington's corner, not stopping the fight. Yeah, I can't believe we mentioned that. We got about ten minutes. What, what the hell was going on there? Right, that is, that is very, very. 
I, I'm that is very um, problematic when she. Then this is what I said to my wife, and we were watching it. And so this is what happened in the corner, in between rounds. She said, "I'm done. Yeah, I don't want to go. I don't want to do this anymore." No, I, actually, I think she just said, "I'm done." Yeah. I don't know what she said after that, but I heard I'm done, and it was repeated. I think I don't know what she said after that, but she said, I'm done. And the coroner said, get your mind out of that. Be positive. Come on. Let's go and do it. Her nose was broken, um, but she was not dealing with, like, traumatic, like, she, you know, she, she couldn't see straight or mm-hmm. she, you know, like, there wasn't – she was not concussed. So as, as far as we can tell, you know, obviously I was not there, but it didn't, she was, she had her senses, she was speaking properly, she was not wobbling, but her nose was jacked. It was, it was really, really not good. That final round was rough. Yeah. And uh, obviously she had, she had some serious, you know, probably a fracture um, uh, and she couldn't breathe. And, uh, you know, she's, she, you know, when that nose breaks, a lot of times the blood runs down your nasal cavity into your throat, which makes your cardio much harder, you know, cause you're, you're basically aspirating your blood mm-hmm. a little bit, right? But not life threatening, you know? So, uh, it's not like something you could die from or anything like that. It's not like a concussion where the guy should take a beating, but there's two sides of this, right? One, we don't know her coaches and her relationship. Cause she might be like, when someone says to me, I'm done, it could be like, I'm physically. She could have meant. Sure. She could have meant. I'm physically gassed. I I can't. I can't lift my arms. I'm done. It. She didn't say I quit. She did not say I quit. Mm-hmm. She said I'm done. As I as I understand it. So there's sometimes you have these with fighters where you have to push your fighter to push push further, and you know that they'll they they're not going to get hurt or something like that or something like that. I'm not saying that was this case, but. If she verbally said, I am finished, and the coach understood her to mean, I am finished, I'm not going to do this anymore, and she she kept fighting, Mm -hmm. he put her out there, at the end of the day, that's kind of irresponsible. I always check in. The first thing I say in the corner, and I'm not the most experienced corner man, I have a long way to go, but the first thing I do is, are you hurt? What's going on physically? You hurt, you good, good, we're good. Okay, good. All right, let's go. Um, because if that answer is I'm hurt, then it's a different, we take a different path. You know, if the answer is I'm hurt, I have to go, okay, my job, and this is the way it's going to be for all my fighters, is to make sure my fighter has a great quality of life after that fight. If he can win that fight, great, but we're not taking it into a place where he's going to have damage for the rest of her life. That being said, a broken nose is not life threatening. I'm not a physician, but at that, at my understanding at this point, a destroyed nose, like remember the Roy McDonald, um, uh, uh, what's his name, um, Robbie Lola fight? Did you see that fight? The, the, his nose was basically caved in. <laughs> okay, I mean it was it was like destroyed. Yeah. It was absolutely destroyed. I've never seen anything more viscerally repulsive in the, my entire MMA. Like, ex- that wasn't, like, horrible breaks. I mean, yeah. the nose was gone. There was no nose left. And they're just bailing, racking on each other, and they're cracking up after the fight. They're hugging each other. And, it's, I mean, it was worse than than uh, uh, that that fractured. Sure. I've never seen anything like that. Uh-huh. So go look it up. It's uh, Robbie Lawler, I'll Roy do it over dinner tonight. It is, yeah, don't don't have any food next <laughs> to it. Especially, like, you know. Spaghetti. Spaghetti. <laughs> exactly, right? You know, like, whoa! Um, so 
it's not like she was concussed or life-threatening. But then again, if she said, I'm not doing this anymore, you should be like, towel. Yeah. If if she, but she came back and she she fought hard, but then she got clipped in that nose again and it was, she, it was done, right? Yeah. She had virtually no chance of winning. So what was to gain of going that's, another? That's I mean, true. she could have got a lucky hit in and knocked her Puncher's out. Puncher's chance, you know? puncher's chance. No, but she was outclassed. Like it was a different class of fighter. That's like we we're saying in the female, the beginning of the podcast, the female division, the A class, the 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 Nunezes, the Joanna Jerzyk, the Shevchenkos, they're one level, and then there's you know Magania or like uh, Amanda Cooper or the, they, these are the other level, and they should not be fighting. <laughs> you know, it's it's this chum to the sharks. There's a big drop off, and that's a problem with that division, you know. Um, but it, it, it's the way the guys' division was 15 years ago, so it is part of the maturing of women's MMA. It's, it's, it's I don't think you can help it. Uh, and yeah, you know, there was. You're right. There was. There's probably nothing to win by going another round. So, if I were in that position, you know, I can't say it, but you know, I'm looking now. I I almost certainly would have thrown the towel in. But then again, you know that she that her coach has a very personal relationship with that guy. They know the really. They know, they know they what made, they're saying. They know what they're saying. You could Between say I'm done. Lines, yeah. yeah, it could be I'm done, but I'm just tired. Yeah. Or like, well, I need something from you. And he pushed her. And you know what? She can also look back as a fighter, not as a coach. I'm thinking that he look back at him. Okay, I took a beating, but I did it. I finished it. I I got to the finish line. I didn't quit. Yeah. And that's as fighters, that's important for the next fight. Uh, for that mental fortitude, that you did man. it. You did it. Okay, it, got, it wasn't the end of the world. Uh -huh. You know, you pushed through. Um, as long as you're not endangering them, their their long term health. And I would say, you know, that the the destruction of someone's nose when you take the, the 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 hit on your nose, not your brain, it's not so bad. I mean, it hurts like crazy. It's in, incredibly painful. Um, as long as you didn't have an orbital bone fracture, which can you know hurt the vision or a fracture or, or, or a concussion or something like that, uh, you know, I, I think it wasn't as irresponsible as some people say. But if it were me and my fighter said, I'm I'm done and man, I'm done. I'm I'm I can't fight anymore, mm -hmm. I would I would put the talent. But I would also say this. If I had a fighter who in three rounds said I'm done, who wasn't concussed, wasn't had didn't have any broken bones in ribs or something like that, and could physically fight. I'd be like, what the fuck are you doing? Retire after this fight. You know, you know what I mean? Like, like that's another thing. Don't like, give up, man. Yeah, you Why should, you, you, you know, like, you know, you, you, you should fight to the bitter end and protect yourself. And, and she didn't suffer so much brain trauma that you got it, but you got to go on out on your shield if you're a fighter. You, you have to do that. And, and I think he was thinking of the next fight because if she broke there, if she mentally broke and she could not recover, she should retire. So there's, you know, that she has to, like we were saying with fighters, they, they have to have that hunger to not stop. Yeah. If you don't have that hunger, you're always going to say, I broke. I broke, I broke, I broke. And you're was, broke, you're broken. Was that her first time going five rounds that you know of? I'm not I sure. think so, yeah. I don't, you know, I don't recall her having – yeah, Right, exactly. I don't recall her having a title before. Well, I, I'm excited to, to kind of see what she says. I don't think she's come out and, like, given a statement on, right. on her – side of the story maybe she has other things to tell us also you know what i don't think she has a problem with that 
You know, it didn't seem like she was close, tight with her coach. If she didn't want to fight, she could have just sat down. Yeah, right, you exactly. Know, exactly. Put There's nobody down. putting like a cattle prod behind yeah. her. It's not like you know. Uh, Although Dana White Matt, would have been upset. Mad Max. <laughs> no, you know, I don't. I don't think so. You know, because she was. She, she was take. She, she had a broken. Her nose show. was. Geez, her nose is broken. But you know, nobody was putting a cattle prod to her and saying you you must fight. You know, yeah. one man in, one woman in, one woman went out. You know, one yeah. two come in. One. Yeah, she, Tina Turner wasn't there. Tina Turner. Wasn't there. <laughs> no, because you know, there's the the Roberto Duran, no mas. You know, uh, yeah. he and and there was a, a fighter in the I forget recently, but he he sat on the stool and he's like, I'm done, I'm just done. Yeah, you know, uh, it wasn't recently; it was a while ago. But now that I think about it, but he was and there was one in the Ultimate Fighter. I remember very, very, very much. And and the Ultimate Fighter coach was telling him, get off your fucking ass and fight. But he's like, no, I'm done. And he had this. He's like, I'm done. And he's like, you're not hurt. He's like, you're not hurt. Go. Yeah. But he's like, I'm done. And and that means you should retire from That's fighting. That's hard to recover from in the gym. Right. That means you should retire ring. from fighting. Yeah. You know, um, if you don't have that fire to push through, um, within health reasons, this game is not for you. You know, it's not for you. Um, and that's okay. That's okay. Go join the WWE. Right, exactly. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're <laughs> like, running out like, of time. Like yes. Ronda Rousey. Like Ronda, Ronda Rousey's Rousey. broken. She, she ran away. No, but she's broken. She broke and she, she will not put the pieces together. Yeah. And, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that, but you shouldn't fight in anymore. Maybe she's smart. She made that choice. So maybe somebody helped her with that choice. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Um, thanks for listening. We have run out of time. Um, I want to give a shout out to your your friend's podcast. He did a show episode recently that I listened to. It was really good. The Bruce Lee one? Yes. Oh, it was amazing. Yes. Um, yeah. Sam Yang must triumph. Must triumph. And, uh, check out that show. And if you lo- like it, write a review for our podcast and his. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, the iTunes reviews make a big deal. They do. Um, yeah. He's, he's his number one. Um, very eclectic, very interesting podcast. Um, uh, he has another one on The Little Prince, the book The Little Prince, and how it has to do with the, the martial journey. Oh, no. Yeah. And um, and uh, it's just a wonderful, wonderful addition to um, to our, our world of, you know, uh, martial arts and, and 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 having a discussion that's a little bit more elevated than mm-hmm. you know, let's just kick through houses, you know, like <laughs> you know, like there's something a little bit more interesting there. And 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 yeah. this is this is uh, martial arts, not not mixed martial arts for him. You know, it's martial arts, meaning it's a much broader understanding of that that journey. That's great. Yeah, yeah. And uh, to bring it back down to the the, the gutter, uh, Conor McGregor still not in jail. Conor McGregor watch. So uh, <laughs> so far so good. I'm winning this bet. I don't know what the timeline is on this. And I guess well, after he goes to trial, forever. no, forever, forever. Yeah, forever. Oh my God, I can't. Do no, that. no, I mean uh, for this, for this okay. particular. Because no, he's I mean, eventually going to go to jail. Right. <laughs> no. Forever. No, I mean, I mean for this particular for this, uh, offense. This offense. Right, okay. Right. All right. Uh, yes, please uh, rate, review, share the show. Uh, let your friends know if you like us. If you don't like us, let us know, and we can uh, fight you in the streets. I want. I wonder if he's going to like run from it. Like if they if they give him time. Where's he going? Well, he's got I enough mean, money. Any, he can go any, anywhere. Any place that yeah. they don't have extradition. Yeah. I don't know if Ireland has extradition to the U.S. I bet they do. It's not as common as you think. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm going to look it up. All right. Wonderful discussion. Yes, like, sir. Uh, generalists, are, are generalists win or do specific guys win? And then the, we talked about fighter heart and breaking and, you know. interested like if, yeah. if somebody's ever done like the, the statistic breakdown, like who's won? Generalist versus specific. It's, it's hard to tell because like who's a generalist, who's a st- – yeah. you know, like it, it's – tell you or you'd have to believe them yeah yeah exactly right yeah, yeah. you can't believe anybody yeah um okay yeah well yep. i look forward to that was great discussion we will see you guys next week thanks for listening thank you